0: Peter and Lucy Snodgrass now, if they'd like to come out. Thank you, Peter and Lucy. Um, It's fantastic that people are willing to come up and share with us. Uh, There is a cost to that, I realise. It's it's often a big thing, a a nervy thing to do, but we're very grateful for you coming up and sharing with us. And um, first of all, I'm just going to ask you, Peter and Lucy, perhaps Lucy, how long have you been coming to the barn?
1: We've been coming here for about two years.
0: Right, and Um, you're not from Bidford, are you?
1: No, we live on the west um, edge of Stratford in Ludington.
0: Right, so we gave you a visa to get in. Yeah, That's that's (laughs) fantastic. And uh, tell us how many children you have and what their names are.
1: We've got three children. Julia is our eldest and is now in London. Anna's the middle one, um, and Ben is doing his GCSEs this summer.
0: Right, and who are we going to learn about today?
1: Anna today. Fantastic.
0: So, Peter, Anna, Anna's in Siberia. Now, just tell us, from Anna's research and your own research, do you know anything about the church in Russia? Can you, can you fill us in? Because I'll be honest, I don't know a lot.
2: So. Just a little bit. Um, uh, the official faith over the centuries and still, um, you know, and the most frequently sort of adhered to is the Orthodox faith. The Russian Orthodox, you know, a bit like the Anglican Church here, you know, your C of E or used to be, um, but because of the um, long um, uh, period under uh, under uh, communism, uh, it is uh, it, there's a lot of atheism as well. Um, so, um, if you're not an Orthodox Christian, uh, you know, identifying yourself as that, then you're a Baptist because anybody who is a sort of non Orthodox. If you're not an Orthodox, you're a Baptist. If you're a Christian, and you know, we might understand them to be the more frequently the true Christians and the true Christian presence in, in Russia. Um, but I'd also say, um, Darren, that um, the church has undergone a lot of persecution, a lot of suppression during the Soviet era, and it's still coming out of that to some degree. I think it is. Um, it feels a bit marginalised. At least that's Anna's impression of it. You know, so it's got that, that struggle, but it's, it's, it's
0: quite bold. Right, OK, fantastic, yeah. Now, uh, I've had friends who've um, been to university and done these sort of language courses. So like Anna's doing French and Russian, mm. yeah. And I'm aware that during these courses, you, you sort of have a sandwich year, so it's like a year where you have a gap year when you go to one of these countries. And so I imagine that Anna had the option of going to France and going to Russia. Mm. And she chose Russia and Siberia. Yes. Right. Um, How did you feel about that when she came over and said, Mum and Dad, I'm going to Siberia?
2: Yeah. I was absolutely delighted, I have to say, yes. Because um, Anna (laughs) was going for the adventurous option, you know, not a safe sort of Western European country. Um, She was uh, tending towards to major on Russian. And also, um, she had gone a language course in um, uh, St. Petersburg, And um, uh, she felt it was quite Western because it was quite orientated towards the West because it has so many tourists and so on. And she wanted to see something which was more provincial, more sort of old-style, and perhaps much more prevalent in the bulk of Russia. So she's gone to this place, which is actually... If you imagine the distance between London and Moscow, you go the same distance east, across the Ural Mountains, to get to Novosibirsk. So it's Mm -hmm. a, a long way away.
0: And how how do you feel, because she's been out there, what, six months or so, how do you feel about that now? Do you you the same? Are you still excited?
2: Yes, um, I think we do. I I think perhaps Lucy and I had slightly different takes on it. (laughs) Well, I wondered whether Lucy would answer, actually, but uh, there we are. But but I think she settled a lot there. I think she found it really hard just being immersed in the language to start with, because she's only been learning uh, Russian for two years at university. That's university learning. It's not
0: being immersed in... In a no. colloquial no, Russian. And how have you managed to get, keep in touch with her? Why
1: don't you? Well, we've, had, we've been so grateful for Skype, actually, because that has meant that we've been able to talk to her and see her and be able to get all the body language, not just the voice. Um, so we have a regular Sunday lunchtime Skype because Brilliant. Russia's six hours ahead of us now. So we rush home from the barn and uh, usually catch up with her then.
0: Fantastic, that's great. And um, what, what would you say was the biggest challenge that Anna's faced since she went out to Siberia? I
1: think to start with, learning the language. Okay. That was really tough. And yeah. um, for about three or four months, she was thinking, is this ever going to get so that it's natural and flowing? Sure. And she couldn't really start to make friends with people while she couldn't speak in a natural way. Yeah. It was all very superficial, so she was really missing that. Um, and for the first time in her life, because Anna's quite outgoing, she was being seen as the quiet one, which <laughs> was very strange for her. Fantastic. But they don't think that now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> She's broken up. Um, what about encouragements? What's been her biggest encouragement through, through being out there? What's something that's excited her most?
2: I think um, to see... Uh, particularly in these visits to Tara, which, just to to put it in context, Novosibirsk is in the Russian steppes, which is a vast prairie area. Um, And so you travel to Tara for about 13 hours in a car, non-stop, and you're just passing flat land with uh, silver birch trees and Uh some fir trees and... It's wow. more or less featureless with small settlements along the way. And Tara itself is not a big settlement. I'm not sure how big it is, but it's a small town. But the first time she went there, I mean, I think she has seen some some changes in the way that OM are doing these things. In that the first time she went, she she's a very sort of organized person. And so she found it quite frustrating that in the Russian culture, they seem to be quite relaxed and laid back and sort of not necessarily fill the time to the max as she would see it when they're over there and so she felt a bit frustrated at times but um over the several visits that they've had there I think just she's seen how the church there has become more energized um and more initiative taking and also it's been more organized on her side on their side of things Mm. um I, th- I think another thing, because it, it is really significant, is just how different the culture is there. So, there's the general culture. Um, so, Russians are very different from British people. Um, and then there's the Russian church culture, the Baptist church culture, which is deeply, um, it, it's very conservative. Yeah. And so, it, that has taken some coming to terms with, you know, it's, it's got a very definite, very definite ideas about the. Gender roles, for example, which are not so sort of defined in our culture. Um, And uh, so, you know, that took some accommodation from So they've had to accommodate to Anna,
0: is that right? Yes,
2: (laughs) she she, she believes very much in uh, uh, egalitarian.
0: Right. I mean, from your Skype calls, have you detected any change in Anna over the year in her spiritual development or the way she's matured as a person or become more confident? Or or is she just the same old Anna as when she went out?
1: I think she's been um, really encouraged to um, have opportunities to make contacts with um, non Christians, actually, because at the house in OM where they all live, it's quite difficult to meet non Christians. And one thing that has been lovely to be actually involved with, and think that we can do, God has been able to do something. Um, even through a contact that I made. I met a Russian woman in Stratford last year, and through this person, who is now married to an Englishman and living over here, she's been able to introduce Anna to um, somebody, also called Anna, who works in Novosibirsk with students. And through this contact, Anna was invited to give a talk to um, students in Russia who might be coming over here to study themselves, so this was a totally secular meeting, but Anna was giving a 40 minute talk in Russian about her life at university, and then took 20 minutes of questions after that, which was a really thrilling thing for Anna to be able to um, to do that after six months in russia and the person who invited her has uh, from this meeting um, Anna's now got a conversation partner um, and she's been able to start having deeper conversations with this woman who's a journalist um, about her faith. So Anna's been really thrilled to have this opportunity, which has not been easy to get.
0: Fantastic, yeah. To so, get. Sounds great. Um, thank you for sharing with us. Now, Anna's given us a couple of prayer points. Is there anything else that you could suggest to us that we could pray for, for Anna or for yourselves? Any, anything that you'd really like specific prayer for? We're going to pray for you in a minute.
2: I think um, is. Uh, just increasing um, uh, uh, what's the word cohesion, or oh, just uh, sorry, I'm not expressing this at all well. But um, just that Anna feels uh, that what they're doing, what and what her contribution could be, is integrated. I think she'd love to see more outgoing sort of ministry and confidence yeah. looking out i think it, it's really that okay. so she has got one or two things which should go on what, what lucy mentioned but for that she's got some contacts with some university students as well which she'd love to yeah. be sort of followed up and so yeah i mean there are things yeah. happening so yeah. it's yeah very exciting. It, it is encouraging yeah.